Welcome to the Influential Nonprofit, the show for nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can grow their income and impact. Now, here's your host, Marianne Dersch. All right, welcome to another episode of the Influential Nonprofit. As you know, I'm your host, I'm Marianne. I work with nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can get the most out of themselves and everyone around them. And I'm here with Kelly Garrity today, my new friend, and she is going to talk about something that I love to talk about, which is ditching the pitch, a new way to get corporate sponsorships. And I'm so happy to have you here because this is something that I feel like is so ingrained in us to have this, the levels and the things, and there's a new way, and I think it works better. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks for you for having me. And you know, it's funny in my 15 years of doing corporate fundraising, I have never once used a pitch deck. Yay. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. So your company is called the Savvy Generalist. So, and we were just talking about, you do basically three things, demystifying corporate relationships we're going to dive into today, outside the box program development and teaching team members to manage up to achieve their and organizational goals, which is that overlaps with a lot what I do, really helping people lead themselves and others more effectively from wherever position that you're in. So we're going to maybe dive into that a little bit. Now, before we dive into anything, I always ask the first question, which is tell me something you're proud of that you don't get to brag about a lot. And I don't care what aspect of your life it is. Just tell me something you're proud of. One of the things, and it, it has been a long journey getting to this point, is embracing my ADHD as a superpower and leaning into all the ways that makes me a better, more well-rounded employee and consultant. So what does that look like? like so it looks like knowing my zones of genius. One of the biggest things that I have learned is that I uh, love the planning. I love the ideation. If I do all of that, you will not get me to implement it. My brain is just done at that point. Or mm -hmm. if I'm implementing, I have not done, you know, the ideation part of it. And outside of the box thinking comes along with that, where I can see threads that go between issues, um, programs, ways of thinking that others might not see and draw them together in a way that's cohesive at the end of the day. I love that. And I love what you said, because that is so true. Some people are really good at, you know, I call them the shiny things like, oh, let's put this together. Let's make this, but they're going to build a plane. They're going to design it and have, and but they're not necessarily people to fly it. That's a different skill set. And like, I just like, that's what I work with people on is understanding you know, like your genius and your superpower and working within that. Like, and I mean, we were just talking, like, I kind of make it up as I go. That's my genius. That can freak people out who like a plan <laughs> or you're just making it up. I'm like, well, what if I am? <laughs> but, but I don't over, I under prepare. What makes me good is like, if I over prepare, I'm really bad, but I would feel guilty. Like, oh, I should be preparing for this more. Like, you know, like, but no, that's not. And once I just got to embrace that, this is what you did. You can adjust in the moment. You can read the room. Oh, okay. Right. So. Instead of really like, oh, I should, you know, why can't I do those routine things? Like, because that's just not who you are, right? Like, yeah. And it's a different skill set. I could go into that and I'm going to stop because we're going to talk about corporate sponsorships. So 
15 years of working with corporations on their giving, never used a pitch tech. Tell me about that. So early on in my career, I was very much thrown in, what well, not even thrown into the wolves. I chose to pursue going into the wolves den as part of my career progression as I managed myself up through the organizations I was in. And one of the things that struck me is the lack of time that you have to truly get your foot in the door for a conversation. You know, recently the Nielsen group came out and said, you've got 10 seconds. I've seen other people say you've got eight seconds to hook to then have that conversation. So what I embraced was the thought of a one pager that tells them everything they could possibly need to know at a high level about a program, about an event, about our organization to hook them in to get the conversation going. Gotcha. That was combined with a lot of in-person networking. So I never went anywhere without one pagers. I had them on me constantly. And the field I was in was national health policy. So I didn't do networking within our field. I looked at where are the people I need to meet going to be? Where are their conferences? And went to those because those are the ways that you want to meet the people you need to meet. Yeah. So you're going like, where do they gather? Well, who are my people? Where do they hang out? Let me go get mm-hmm. find them. Go to where they're at. So in the one pager, so, you know, because my big thing is like, we don't pitch, we don't sell, we don't convince, right? So this one pager was like just enough information that if people were interested, then you could, you would set up a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, then, it helps them self-screen. Right. Yes, this is something that we would be behind. I want to learn more or no, we're not interested. So it saves you work too. Right. And that's one of the things that I work on is with the folks that are part of my programs, which is I'm not, your job is to get to know as fast as possible, right? If it's not a right fit, that's totally okay. Let me move on, right? Instead of trying to convince somebody or like going back and going back, hey, we have this thing. Is this anywhere in your wheelhouse, right? And so I want to share something with you. So I was doing this workshop and this woman said, I have 11 ways you can get involved in my nonprofit and I give it to people. And I'm like, so that's really awesome. I love that you have that inventory. And also that's something that I would use for me, right? Because when I'm in conversation with somebody, I can't meet your needs until I know what they are. So my job is to listen, to see what your needs are and to see what I have. Because if you say, oh, you know, we love employee outings and we do these quarterly like volunteer days and like you have that program. You say, oh, based on the fact that you said you do this, hey, I'd love to share with you more about this program. Like you were creating an alignment, not necessarily like throwing everything at them and saying, which one of these things fits you, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Is that your experience? It is, yeah. I think that sometimes there is a kitchen sink where you can do the research and know there are maybe three things that I think might be aligned based on, you know, their website and their social, other people I've seen them fund, you know, you always want to know who is funding the like organizations to you, whether they're in another city or not, because the national players are funding all over. So if there's an organization, you know, I'm based in Raleigh right now, if there's an organization in DC doing similar work, that's getting funding from an Amgen, you better bet I'm going to start looking at Amgen to think, is there a way of alignment there? And, you know, we have so much information now that we didn't have even when I started that it makes it even easier. So if you go into the sponsorship levels, is that something that you've worked with, like the sponsorship levels as far as like 
Because this is the thing that I really push against, like the gold and the silver and the bronze. And my friend, he shared this and his company was the titanium sponsor. Like we're running out of metals. <laughs> you know, like, right? we're, we're, we're running. We're, like we're going to need to, it was going to be like, or like, I don't feel like periodic table. We're going to go through all of it before we get to this. There are some times I think it does make sense, especially for those local nonprofits where you might be looking at, you know, a $250 level and you want them to feel like they are still getting a benefit. So there is that relationship building aspect of having some of those levels, but it does get ridiculous. I agree at certain points. And when you think about programs specifically, most of the corporate sponsors I've talked about know that those benefits are just purely made up. Right. One of the biggest th- shifts that I made in a previous organization is in all of our giving, when we had some of those sponsors who were giving to multiple programs that were making supportive, incredible gifts throughout the year, we instituted a little bit of a giving circle where we brought them together twice a year to tackle a strategic problem that we were starting to talk about as an organization. And it was special because they were the super, you know, funders anyway. And then they got to help us tackle these questions. And it created that, you know, flywheel of they give us more, they're more engaged, they give us more, they're more engaged. And then it became a little club that some of the others were like, well, I want to be part of that. And so then you start to get that social peer to peer, like, hey, we were talking about this at our, you know, leadership circle meeting. And it's like, well, what is that? And you get that, you know, peer to peer buy in too. Wow. I love that. So what I hear you saying, like, maybe there is a place for some, and I'm not saying you can't have like some standard, you know, benefits that everyone, you know, gets and that's okay. And also what I'm hearing is, you know, you could be like, this was an opportunity that you created from feedback that you said, yes, of course we can do that. That necessarily doesn't have to be, you know, like I can tell you, like, I don't care where my logo is, that it's fine. But you know, that's not why I would invest in something. Why I would invest in something is because Mm -hmm. it's going to meet a strategic need of my company or what I want to do over the next right year. Like, and so Like I want audiences. If you can get me in front of an audience, I'm open. Let's talk about it. Right. But that might be anything that you're offering at this point. Yeah. And I think with events, some of it depends on the size of the organization that you're dealing with. You know, when you get into the larger corporations and lawyers are involved in the decision-making of, you know, it has to have benefits because we have to, you know, be able to substantiate the $5,000 or $10,000 and have something that correlates with that by way of benefits that, you know, the 10,000 is slightly more than a 5,000. The mom and pop shops and the smaller organizations, they really don't care as much. But when you have some of the lawyers and the, the legal departments involved, that's when you do see the Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I want to go back to this, like with the leadership circle, is that what you called it? Because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, what you gave them was, you know, that one of the highest needs we have is growth, like opportunities for growth, professional, personal mm-hmm. growth, and contribution, like giving back. And that circle really met those two higher order needs because and they were able to not just give money, but give expertise, which strengthened the relationship. Like you said, now, right, then now like, oh, and that I helped solve a problem Wow, that made me feel really good. Now I feel more invested. Now I'd love to connect Mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of times what we saw is that, you know, they'd go to other departments and say, hey, there's this great organization doing this great work. I've spent my budget on them, but you might be interested. Do you have budget that you could spend on them? And they'll go and find you money when they're bought in in that way. Wow. So they'll go outside their budget and go into you know other departments and start to to try to get other budget for you too. So what do you feel like is maybe we hit this? I don't know. What is the biggest like misconceptions or misunderstandings you see around corporate sponsorship? I think that the concept of making friends that we talk about when you think of peer-to-peer fundraising, when you think about your mid-level donors, when you think about that relationship of building in, um, you know, your your high-ticket gifts is lost in the corporate side. You know, you see the building, you don't see the people. And when you start to treat it the same way of I'm building a relationship, you start to see a lot more uptake in the corporate side. So what you're saying, like, Go back and share that again, because I want to make sure I understand this. Not just like being liked, like, tell me this again. Sure. I can compare it to individual fundraising. You know, okay. If you look at, at major donor fundraising, it's all about building a relationship to get those high dollars into the right. organization. Corporate fundraising is very similar. You're building a relationship with the people in the organization. You're bringing them into your fold. And they will then go out and get the dollars for you or the program alignment for you. And so that's why thinking about where do they gather? Who are the people in the organization, even just job level you know, that I should try to be meeting to start to build those relationships with? It's so similar to the major donor. You know, and so what I'm hearing is relationship first, then money second. Like they might not have the money. Right. And you like, and so if you're looking at it from a transactional perspective of like, Hey, do you fund this? And they say, no, you're like, okay, thanks. But you're like, would you be open to the conversation? Like, okay, when the relationship is strong enough, they'll go find the right. They'll go find Mm -hmm. the money. Okay. Because it may not be their department that has the money. They Mm. might say, Oh, you know, the marketing would be where you would get the funding for that or, you know, business development government affairs on policy side. So, you know, knowing the people who know the organization is helpful. And then also they will know their budget cycles because knowing a budget cycle, you know when to put your requests in. Yes. Because end of year could be different depending on it's, it's the organization. All yes. And a lot of companies, if they're July 1, you know, they're end of year. You've got to start to talk to them in January to get that end of year funding versus you know, a December 31 end of year. Right. And, you know, so knowing like where the money is, right, how to access it. So my coach, I just did this webinar right after I got on you and I'm teaching people how to train their board to generate leads. And one of the organizations I was working with and the guy was so excited because he got a meeting with the partners of the organization to talk about how they might want to be involved in this organization that he's on the board of. And he was like super, super excited. I mean, like he was jazzed, first of all, to land this meeting, but then also just to be able to be like that helpful. But I, what we're training him to like go in, strengthen his relationships inside, right? So almost like strengthening his relationships inside the organization so that they could learn more and decide if they wanted to get involved. 
which is, I think, a great way to use like board members to get like, because that they can open that window for you or like open the door for you. And then also to give them a sense of purpose and accomplishment of being able to, you know, mobilize that effort, that energy, you know? And I feel like, and I don't know like how, if you've worked with boards in the past or if they have any role in this, because I know there's different size organizations and how they work. Is there a role for board members in the corporate sponsorship? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because a lot of times, you know, depending on how you have chosen to make up your board, they're the ones who might know the business owners that you want the introduction to that they can broker or, oh, I you play golf with this person. I play golf. It's getting them in that mindset of, you don't have to ask them for money. You just have to open the door. And too often the board automatically thinks, I've got to go ask my friends for money. And that's not the case. That's not it's the case. Make an introduction. Right. You know? If, if there's an affinity, pass the name along. If not, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's exactly what I was talking about. And in fact, like I think asking is a high level skill. Not that you couldn't do it, but that's next level. It's like, oh, let me, you know, give you one gymnastics lesson and put you in the Olympics. Like, like <laughs> I was saying, it takes, you can do it, but, and I feel like that skill is best for the people who have trained for it. And even the people like us who have trained for it, it still can be stressful and undifficult sometimes. So, mm-hmm. you know, like just making the connection and then pass it on and I will go in, right? I know what to do after that. I've got this, right? I just need you to open that door. And one of the overlooked resources to anyone doing corporate sponsorship is building a relationship with the admin because they are the ones who know everything and everyone and how to navigate all of the back of house systems that you might have to navigate as you're building those relationships. And that's a very overlooked person to get to know. Gotcha. So I'm really fascinated. I think that's great. The admin is great. And I'm really fascinated from going to where people are. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about some of like, are you going to conferences? Like, what do you do when you're there? What does that look like? Yeah, one of their, I previously worked with a lot of pharmaceutical companies and they have two major conferences that you know, kind of everyone attends. One is the bio conference, which is in June every year. It's a 30,000, you know, attendee conference. It's kind of crazy. The other one is the pharma conference. Bio and pharma are both membership organizations for the pharmaceutical and biotech industries. Their conferences always included some sort of patient advocacy, you know, geared towards the nonprofit, you know, one day programming. So I would go for that. And then ahead of time, I would look down the list of attendees of companies that would be there and job titles and go, oh, so-and-so is going to be here. Let me send a message ahead of time. Would love to get to say hi. Same thing. And inevitably, out of you know 10 people I'd message, I'd get to meet at least five of them because it was just proactive to be able to say, hey, I'm going to be here. I know we have mission alignment. Would love to grab five minutes. And you're meeting them where they're already in a networking frame of mind. Right. So they're already in that, oh, I'm just going to meet a lot of people this week. This is not not a problem to spend five minutes saying hi to this nonprofit. Yeah. So I want to break that down a little bit because I think there's a lot of juice in this because that's one of the things like I go to where people already are, right? Like, you know, 
That's great. Where do they gather? Where do they spend their time? And so there's, I think there's two ways to look at this. One is like by industry and other by geography. So let's say, cause you're, you know, in your world, if you're doing something nationally, right? Most people have a, like maybe a limited geographic scope, right? So I'm in St. Louis and you're serving the St. Louis metro area. So I'm not going to probably go to a conference. I don't know this big cup, maybe, I don't know where all these companies are that may or may not, but I don't know. That's the question. Then the other thing is like, where are the places around here, like around your community where companies are gathering? Yeah. So I now actually work with a local to a city nonprofit. So I literally went from national to hyper local. So I can answer that easily. Your chamber of commerce. Your chamber of commerce is one of the best places to network bar none, because you're going to meet all of the local contacts that you need. And any national supporter that would fund a local organization would have, you know, some sort of representation on the ground. Another one is your community foundation. The community foundations are the Number one, a lot of them do grants, but number two, a lot of them have hundreds of millions of dollars in donor advised funds. So it's not completely corporate, but it's another way to know to network because they're going to know people who know people on either side. So having a relationship within that foundation gives you like, hey, I noticed Amazon is funding a lot of things. Do you have a contact there you could make an introduction to? And get that in in that way. So those are two very locally focused opportunities to be able to take advantage of. Right. So, you know, you're meeting the local person who can maybe connect you to something national, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and a lot of times local have regional budgets too. Right. The national organizations, there's national funding and then there's regional funding and, you know, the regional funding can come from those local contacts. So I feel like there is... I don't feel like I've read this. Just my feeling, what I've heard is happening, is that corporate giving is on the rise. And one of the reasons that it's on the rise is because that younger people who are moving into corporations want to have more meaningful work or have their work have put some, you know, meaningful things into the world. So I'm 57. Okay. So when I was coming up, you had your job and then the stuff that had meaning to you on the side. (laughs) Now I didn't because that's not how I saw the world. And most people like, yeah, I do my job. And then I do the stuff that gives my life meaning on the side. And the trend is like the people coming into the workforce, you know, who who are stepping into their leadership want to work for companies that are doing meaningful work or putting out good into the world. And so now we're having, you know, like directors of philanthropy and, you know, and and corporate responsibility and social responsibility who are, these are being created because they want to attract like, you know, the top younger people to grow into their company. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah. I think it's definitely increasing. You know, CSR offices have been around for quite a while. I think they were just an unknown entity outside of the company. And so they've become more visible, I think, especially as, you know, Gen Z has been pushing towards that communal good support as they've entered the workplace. 
So you've seen them make more visibility within those departments, certainly. But most of the corporations I've worked with have had, you know, CSR departments back even in the 80s. They just were the, you know, redheaded stepchild of the corporate governance. Right. Um, model they weren't so they were there they just didn't have a lot of weight and now they're coming mm-hmm. right they're putting more energy towards that and the other thing that i've seen based on experience is that those relationships among departments can matter more because depending on what they do you know marketing might have more budget than the corporate social responsibility or you know corporate social responsibility might be very focused on those volunteer days and those, you know, gotcha. boots on the ground opportunities and marketing might be like, oh, your nonprofit is great. We want to fund your, you know, youth education program, or we want to, you know, do your after school program. So knowing again, that's where having a strong relationship that can kind of say marketing is interested in this web is interested in this, you know, Dominion Energy, for example, has a huge local giving um, program. And they have an online platform. So anyone can apply, reading the rules and apply to Dominion Energy to, you know, go after a sponsorship. And I've done that just cold. We have mission alignment. They have an online platform. Let's submit. Let, let's see. Because well, a lot of their applications are not as bad as grant writing. So yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Woo. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I think, because you're like, well, how do I start a relationship? Right. And so this is my belief. And this is why I do a lot of what I do, i.e. this podcast. When I'm a value to you, you'll be a value to me. And I want to get your reaction to this instead of like, okay, you know, I need money from you. Like, how can I be a value to you? So in the instance of like Annie's hope, you know, hey, we would love to do a program on grief and bereavement because the company likes to have opportunities. They look for opportunities for their employees to, you know, learn about, you know, different topics. And so they could go in and do a program or you see when I like there's, you know, or the food bank, Hey, I can be a value to you. Yes. This is something we do. We'd love to have, you know, your team come in. Like, how can I be a value to you? And I think often we forget that we can be a value. Right. Like, so, cause mm-hmm. when I'm a value to you, then you're like, oh yeah, we love. And then that's how the relationship starts instead of, Hey, what do you have for me? You know? So, you know, like, let's say you work with seniors and you know, Hey, you could do a program in a company about, cause this is, cause I told you my age, a lot of my friends are going through, our parents are going through transition, right? Like how to, you know, like, and I think there'd be a lot of people like, I would love to learn about that. You know, so thinking about not just, oh, you know, what do you have for me? But like, what can I do to be a value to you? And I think that's a great way to start a relationship because you're from the point of, let me just be a value and then we'll see what happens. And I think too, that's where you can use social media to your advantage. You know, you might say Amazon, they're funding five different organizations in my city. So they clearly have a local impact. Let me look and see who in Amazon is based in Houston, Texas. Do they have, you know, some sort of job title that matches in and send them a LinkedIn message saying, hey, I know that Amazon has done a lot of local service. I I saw from your website or your social media, you recently did this event or had this thing, you know, message of impact, you know, tying it back to something they've done. 
I wanted to share about, you know, my nonprofit. We focus on the youth population and getting them into after school activities. I would love to learn more about, you know, your work in this field and how we might work together. Uh, feel free to contact me at my email. You know, a cold calling can be done in a way that still seems soft. Yes. And draws them in if you've done that connection. Right. Uh, you know, looking at their website and their social and how they present themselves. Or you can be like, no, they just are not going to fund us because they only care about dogs, only care about cats, you know. Right. <laughs> right. And no, that's great because it shows them that you're doing your homework and you're not because like, this is what I talk about a lot is you have to look for love people for who they are, not who you want them to be. Like I can see from your post, this is something you're interested in. That's also something I do. Looks like there's an affinity. If there is, you want to talk about it. And that's mm-hmm. to me is like, you know, the cold feels cold when it feels that you don't know me at all. It's like the show me, you know me, and I'm much more likely to respond. But if you're saying something and that's so off base, you know, like, you know, we've never done cats. Like, obviously you don't really know us. It's like that if I can show you, I know you then like, yeah, you know, I can see that this is, you know, something that you do. I'd love to talk to you more about, oh yeah. Okay. Right. Like you've done your homework and it doesn't feel cold. Right. That's what makes it a warm to me, you know? And the other thing too, you know, when you get the sponsors is much like the major donors cultivating the relationship after that first gift. And one of the things, especially on the local side that I found that works really well is just a thank you postcard. Hey, was thinking about you today. So glad you're part of our team. Can't wait to see you or, you know, can't wait to talk about our programs next. And, you know, just literally no ask, no nothing, just thinking about you. So glad that you're, you know, in our circle. It's huge. The response is huge for them mm. to send it. And then even, you know, with those national, because your national funding programs, mission alignment, I saw this article today about your work on, you know, XYZ or funding, you know, some great research initiative. I loved it. Just wanted to say how glad I am that you're, you know, doing so much good with, you know, your organization. So those little, you know, kind of touch points that are like, they're not just coming to me asking for money. They're actually caring about, right. you know, what we're doing. Yes. But I'm a value to you, right? Like, hey, how can mm-hmm. I be a value to you today? Oh, I'd love to share this. And when it comes from not just like, oh, I'm going to value, like, no, I really want to share this. I want to support them. And I just look like this simple little postcard. It's just so sweet. You know, like, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, like I donate to this organization and they send me a birthday card. And it's just, and I know the staff probably all, you know, has gangs up and has to do a bunch of them. And I don't need, you know, it's like, because it still feels good. It still lights up all the stuff in your brain, you know? And I think timing wise, you know, making sure it's not a few weeks before you're getting ready to ask them for an event sponsorship, or, you know, a few weeks before it's time for your program renewal. It's like it make it feel random to them. Yeah. Whether it is or isn't, but, you know, make sure the timing feels random to them. Yeah. 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 And just, I always think if somebody comes into my head, they come into my head for a reason. And I'm like, Hey, I was just thinking of you. Cause literally I was just thinking about you. And I have this prospect list. I, when I look at it, like, you know, and I think, and they don't have to be, I will just like somebody will just cross my mind. And people do that to me. Like, you know, you just came into my mind today. And I wanted to say hi. I'm like, 
Oh, thanks. It's good to know that you jump into people's minds, you know? This has been really great. I just love this conversation we're having. I would love to know, like, how do you work with clients? You said, you know, you're working with somebody locally. How do you work with clients on sponsorship? And the way that I have found works with my zone of genius best is in that kind of planning and ideation where it's kind of done for you. You know, let's say it's a program. Let's look at what your value proposition is. Let's overhaul how you're presenting it or create a one pager, come up with 10 or so companies that are either in your network already, or that makes sense based on people that are, you know, around you. And then let's craft language where it's either email or a LinkedIn message that allows you to start to deploy that. Or is there a conference that they're going to be at where you could get them five of them in one place and, you know, make your time more worthwhile. So I approach it that way and then let the staff, you know, who know the ins and the outs of the programs and the events really take on and run with it from there. Because a lot of times they're so busy and the day-to-day, it's hard to take the step back to do the planning and the overhaul and the strategic Mm -hmm. thinking around how do we maybe represent this. Right, right. So you sort of help them get it all set up and then they kind of run with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And I love that, you know, you're like, hey, let's find you some prospects to start working with yeah. and the one, like all the tools they need and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful, you know, and also just being there for them as they step out into that maybe discomfort a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, here's a thank you you could send and, or, you know, hey, you had your first call, how'd it go? Let's, right. you know, let's talk about it. The first call for going into the next one. Usually the first one, you take your looks and then you learn from there. Yeah. So. You know, like my friend, Sonia Sally, she says permission to be, you know, you have to give yourself permission to be bad, to be good, to be good, to be great. So it's okay to be mm-hmm. clunky in the, you know, for it not to feel good or feel perfect. And, you know, like, oh, uh, and that we got to start somewhere. We have to, right. We have to allow ourselves to just kind of try it. And it's usually, I feel like most people, like you think it didn't go well, but most people don't perceive it like that at all. You, you know what I mean? Like it's, the judgment is all internal, not external. <laughs> and I always say, if you're not listening 70% of the time, then that's where you start. Right. Right. Like, you know, listen more than you speak. Right. And I, what I teach is people buy to the level they feel seen and heard. So my only job is to help you feel seen and heard. Because when you do that, you relax. And when you relax, you're open to what I have to say. But if I pitch you or push, then you get defensive and you shut down. And that we can't work, with, right? There's nowhere to go from there. There's a dysregulation. There's a resistance. So, you know, like that's, I'll listen, validate, you know, like have compassion and empathy, like seek to understand their situation. And then once they feel seen and heard, they're like, now I'm, wow, it seems like you really get me. You know, just even in the example of your LinkedIn, what you were sharing is like, I'm listening, right? Like I may be not listening in person, but I'm listening on your social media. I'm like, here's what I hear. Am I hearing this right? Is this something you would like to talk about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Like prospecting is listening. You know, it's just another way of listening. All right. So this has been amazing. I have one last question because you're in Raleigh. I'm in St. Louis, but we, if we were ever together at a karaoke bar because I'm that's my jam. What's your go-to karaoke song? Ain't No Mountain High Enough. What? That's a good one. 
There was no hesitation. Oh, yeah. I you that I that is that your killer number, Kelly? Is that your? That, is that? I your mean, one? I have I have zero tone and pitch. But if I'm going <laughs> to sing anything badly, I'm going for there that. There you go. You know, full chest, all the conviction, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. So hopefully, I will hear you perform that once one day. So, how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what I, you do? So my website is under construction right now. The best way is probably email. It's kelly at thesavvygeneralist.com. And I'll share it, Marianne, so that you can have it. Yeah, and we'll put it in the show notes. And so that email, if you want to learn more and have Kelly help you with your corporate sponsorships, this has been great. We met in a Slack group for consultants and you were like, throw the pitch deck away. And I'm like, yay. Nobody wants to be pitched. And it's good to hear your stories from the field, you know, about how you develop real relationships and how those turn into corporate sponsorships. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right. That's it for another episode of me and the Influential Nonprofit. If you are want to learn more about what I do or want to talk with me about working together. There is a quickie link. It's a little 15 minute intro convo. I'm happy to talk with you about the work I do with teams and individuals and boards. And, you know, maybe you never know, Kelly, right? It's all in the connection. And that's it for me. And we'll see you next time on the Influential Nonprofit. Thanks for listening to the Influential Nonprofit with your host, Marianne Dersch. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Also, check out the influentialnonprofit.com for more resources on growing your influence so you can raise more and do more.